Okay, so this week we are talking about the movie Her. Um, thanks for tuning in. Uh, this is this movie is like a it's it's not it's not quite a rom com. It's it's a sci fi rom com, so it doesn't really fit in our not quite a rom com because we'd have to have a not quite a rom com, but it's actually a sci fi com. So I don't want to make that category, but that's it's a science fiction film then a romance film, then maybe it's a comedy. Uh, but it's got a lot of interesting things to say here about uh, relationships and romance and what relationships can be. Um, but this week, uh, it gets very heady, uh, but I think we get at some really interesting uh, concepts and ultimately gets us really uh, challenged in what we think romance should be like and what relationships should be like so if you haven't watched the film check it out it's it's very important uh you know film for romance films for science fiction films it's definitely worth your time no matter what and yeah uh take a listen that's a gluten-free clink what are we drinking tonight, Mr. GF? It's gluten-free. It's Omission Brewing Gluten-Free Bold and Hoppy. So Omission Ale has saved... It's uh, it's from uh, Portland. And um, welcome, everybody, to everybody's favorite rom-com... Slash be- gluten-free beer. Slash gluten-free podcast. beer podcast. Uh, I mean, we're, we accept all beer types. It's just that one of us can only have one beer type. Though, you cheat a lot. You're dirty... Dirty cheater. I'm a dirty cheat. I'm gluten free, but <clears throat> only on the weekends. You're so dirty that you would probably like drink with a dead cat. No. <laughs> <laughs> I would have nothing to do with dead cats, whether they were in the room or someone else's room or someone's imagination or someone's sex imagination. I don't want to be near <clears throat> it. Um, welcome, everybody, to another episode of A Gentleman's Guide to Rom-Coms. I am, as always, your co-host, Kelly McCrillis, and I'm with my my bestie, bestie. Ryan Graves, hello. Get your beer. Don't sit that oh. far away from you. What are you doing? Come here, little guy. <sighs> nice. Okay, here's your first trivia question. So we're referring to the movie Her. Yeah. Her? Uh, which oh, yeah, is we watched Her this film week. this week. Directed by Mr. Spike Jones. And, Ouch. Uh, one of the early moments is a sex uh, phone sex call with a random hottie mm-hmm. voiced by uh kristen wig yeah that's right and only kristen wig could pull off having a sexual fantasy about a dead cat yeah in a way where i'm like okay not only is this funny awkward and sexy in a weird way where i'm just like oh stop stop too many emotions that's, that's how Joaquin Phoenix kind of played the whole scene. Right. I don't think he was that helpful in that call. You're right. He could have been more helpful, but but he wasn't un he wasn't also what you or I probably would have been, which is bye bye. <gasps> oh shit! <laughs> no, we have a Scarlett Johansson movie, and now at some point during this episode, you don't have to do it right this second, but okay. you have to do your Scarlett Johansson story I'll at some point. I'll prepare. But before then, did you have a game for me? Oh, yeah. Um, I actually do have a game for you. I have another rousing round of Who's That Couple? Yeah. This is special. This is a special round because the movie we're reviewing today is um, it's a romance film. 
Um, it mm-hmm. even has some calm in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also it's it's more sci-fi as well, right? It's more sci-fi yeah. than any other movie that we've done so For far. sure. Okay. So you remember the rules, right? No. You get three clues. If you need a fourth clue, you get it, mm-hmm. but there's dishonor upon your household. Okay. Okay. Uh, first couple. <clears throat> they meet in jail. Okay. Okay. In their first hour of knowing each other, they probably kill about five people apiece. Okay. Okay. Do you have a guess? Yes, it is Robin Hood Men in Tights. No, it is not. But the clues that you gave me also apply to Robin Hood Men in Tights, so I think it should count. Um, don't they meet not in jail, but they in Robin Hood Men in Tights? Oh, you're talking about... Wait, 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 wait. Who are you talking about when as Robin the couple? When Robin Hood meets Dave Chappelle. No. <laughs> they're he not. Meets I wouldn't say they're the couple of the movie. And a sneeze, right? Robin Hood and Little John having lots of Right? Bone town. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, but they have a relationship. They do, but um, not. I wouldn't call it romantic. They're more like buddies. Oh, I see. Yeah. I see the difference. Yeah. Um, they. You know, somebody's written that fan fiction, though. Okay. Um, so third clue for this not Dave Chappelle or Carrie Elwes uh, relationship. They eventually get married. <laughs> That's like most couples. Well, um, it's not a lot of couples within an hour of meeting each other kill a whole bunch of people. and They eventually get married in the movie. In the movie. Uh, not in the movie, no. Just as a couple. How do you know they get married then if it doesn't happen in the movie? Well, if I told you, I'd have to kill you. Well, within the first hour of meeting you. Oh, okay. Um, okay, so meet in prison. They meet in jail. Uh, kill five people apiece. Mm-hmm. Well, they meet in a jail. Um, I, I mean, that's an estimate. Like, I didn't go back and watch, but they they definitely uh, kill kill some some peeps within um, you know the space of an hour or so after meeting each other. I need that fourth clue. Okay, she's royalty. He is low class. If you don't get this one, Aladdin. No, I don't remember that scene where Jasmine takes an Uzi out or a, a, a scabbard but that he's, holds her, her he's curved sword. Class. Um, she is royalty. She's royalty. I'm uh, going to give you a last hint, okay? Okay. Um, Have I seen this movie? You know that I've seen this on. movie. Hold on. I'm going to also, like, this will be your last hint. You've probably seen this movie, not more than any other movie, but you've seen it more than most movies. Is it Star Wars? A New Hope? Who is it? It's it's Who's Han, that couple? Han and Leia. It is Han and Leia. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. Well, that's that's kind of a misdirect because they kind of meet in the prison, but they more meet in a hallway outside in, of a prison cell. But they really get to know each other in the trash compactor. You're right. You're right. 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 So uh, had I said... And I don't... Five apiece? Han definitely kills a few. I'd say Leia, at least that we see, kills like three. I said I was estimating. When, when her and Luke are swinging and... Not, not in that way, because they're brother and sister, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Um, but when they're swinging yeah. across the gap, uh, she she definitely takes out a couple stormtroopers. And you know, we never we never we 
We didn't ever got confirmation that they got married necessarily. We do know that they had a son, but in know, legends they get married. Yeah, but not there's canon, a whole book. Not about canon, it. doesn't matter. So. Oh my gosh, canon didn't even start until like ten years ago. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, welcome to round the Star two. Wars podcast. Yeah. I'm going to make this a Star Wars podcast someday. I know one 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 day we'll we'll turn it into that, and then once steal- we run out of rom coms. That should be the rule. If we get to the end, it was like, there's none left. And then I'm like, can we do it? Can we do it? I'm like, sure. And then I press this button. And then just like all these things, just like the whole room turns around. It's like, welcome to Ryan's Star Wars podcast with Kelly. And then you will also hear my lightsaber at the same moment. And then we die. Oh, no. Well, then people won't get that sweet Star Wars knowledge. But if we duel to the death with our lightsabers. No, it'll be plastic. Don't worry. Okay. The next couple, round two, they meet on horseback. Oh, okay. Okay. Their relationship exists in spite of his moral slash philosophical objections. Okay. Okay. She is a teacher. He is a scientist. Back to the Future 3. Nice! <laughs> High five! That would be Clara and Doc Brown. Yeah, with Mary Steenburgen, a.k.a. the Christmas mom. The, qu- the queen of Christmas rom-coms. Yeah. Um, so, do you, do you notice a trend here? Um, science fiction. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Okay. Now it's now I know where to put my my brain. So this last couple, I'm giving you five clues. Okay. Oh, okay. So uh, know that up front that I know it's a little bit harder. <clears throat> they meet at her boss's house. Mm-hmm. Their relationship begins with an interview. Mm-hmm. He drinks, she smokes. Blade Runner. Nice! Yeah. Oh, I'm so proud of you. Honor on your house. Boom. Honor. Boom. Uh, the next two clues were they both played piano in the movie and mm. both are wanted individuals. I was just law. thinking science fiction lady smoker. The, the, the most beautiful lady smoker in all, all of movies. Sean Young. Sean Young, Rachel, and Decker. All right. Well, that was another rendition of Who's That Couple? Sci-fi edition. Thank you. Um, that was lovely. Shall we? Uh, shall we get into it? Shall we? Shall we jump into this uh, creamy, creamy, soft-toned pool that is the movie Her? Yeah, we can jump into Her. Mm, tell me a story instead. <laughs> Let me tell you a story. Tell me a story, Turk. Let me tell you a story about love, D'Artagnan. Ask you about love, probably quote me a sonnet. I'm not much more than an interpreter, and not very good at telling stories. That's the end. What do you mean, that's the end? That's not, it's the beginning of something interesting. Listen, that's the end of that saga. The end. So, it's set in, conceivably, the near future. Los Angeles. Uh, yeah. Los Angeles, 2049. I wonder if uh, they uh, did they they never mention a year. This, but this future is a little less bleak than twenty forty nine of the Blade Runner series. What 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 city would you rather hang out in? The city, the Los Angeles of her, or the Los Angeles of Blade Runner? Okay, realistically, her city is safer. Is safer, but it looks a lot more boring. Yeah. Like, I, I think I'd rather be a part of the Blade Runner universe. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. That's easy peasy. So you got Joaquin Phoenix, who is- a Who has bit, a mustache. Yeah. And there he goes, lone beatnik. Just- <laughs> He has he has kind of a, a vibe about him with the mustache, doesn't he? Yeah. 
Um, it's not creepy. It's almost creepy. I There's few people who can actually pull off a mustache. And this movie, at first, I'm not there for it. But within like 10 or 15 minutes, totally used to it and I'm on board. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's a writer at a card company. So he has the exact same job as Tom does in 500 Days of Summer. No, so not it's very a letter rich. company. Yeah, it's letter. Okay. He writes personal letters for other people mm-hmm. who pay him. And apparently this is a big booming business. Um, yeah. Which, what did you think about this? Um, I'm going to hold my comments until later. I just want to, I want to summarize the whole film because I, if I, if I, if you get me uh, editorializing now, I'll, I'll never explain the story. Okay. You were the will, one who wanted to talk about no, I know. how movies made us feel at yeah, the beginning. I have a lot of thoughts on a lot of the aspects, so I don't want to get distracted. Okay. Uh, he writes very good letters for other people that are personal mm-hmm. letters. Mm-hmm. So like, Anniversary letters, love letters, congratulations. I'm, I'm in a letters. different country right now. Letters, yeah, yeah. Um, he's very, he's depressed. Yep, he, he's lonely. He's antisocial, mm-hmm. um, but he's not suicidal. He's just he's not incel. He yeah, yeah. he's just withdrawn. Yeah, uh, and and this all stems from the fact that he went through a divorce. Well, he's going he, through. A divorce. He's going through a divorce, a year long divorce. Yeah, yeah. and uh, one day he sees an advertisement for a new virtual assistant that's completely artificially intelligent. Mm-hmm. Um, and he decides to get one. And it is voiced by Scarlett Johansson. Yes, it is. Her? Who has... I don't think you can come up with a more sultry voice. No, she ever. she has... I, I would say not only sultry, but expressive Mm-hmm. Where um, she can say, and, and I mean, that's part of the reason why Spike Jones hired her, yeah. was because this this voice has so much personality to it in even the smallest of moments. And you need that if you, you basically have a, a narrator as a voice. Did you know that she was a replacement? Yes, I did. The person that she replaced was the woman who actually is in that scene with him, right? The, I don't know if it's her. I thought it was Emily Mortimer. I think oh, it was, was it? A, I think so. I could see why he would replace her then. Yeah. Hey, everyone. Future Ryan here. Uh, I was wrong. It was not Emily Mortimer. It was Samantha Morton. Uh, Samantha Morton is, you probably know her as the precog, the scary bald lady in Minority Report, the one that's like, run! Uh, Emily Mortimer is... Uh, trivially also in a scarlett johansson movie match point where she is kind of a romantic rival to scar joe so kind of interesting anyways sorry my bad i we keep saying the wrong names so just not emily mortimer samantha morton yeah okay back to the episode emily mortimer is not as uh she has a lovely voice but she's not as like it's very high class uh, yeah it's not as relatable and human and it's not American. I mean, come on. Get those Brits out of our... The Brits have a far more... Sorry, Brits, come at us. But you're far more formalistic about things. And I think that's the cliche about Americans is that we are famously not. So she starts out as a virtual assistant and starts going through his files. But right away, he notices how personable she is. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's an AI, so she has a personality. And the personality grows. and It adapts. And she can teach herself. She has that omniscience or not omniscience necessarily, but it's a omni 
what's um knowledge? She can access any kind of That's information. She she's basically omniscient. Yeah. To a point. It's I mean, and she basically has she has the brain of the internet. Yeah. So she can look up any information, and her processing power is unreal. She can she can process especially thousands for being, of things at once for being housed. So, like scientifically, how does this work? Because she like if she's housed on that phone and yeah. it's in the future and it has like certain amount of core processing yeah. power, um, it's either that or she's stored on like a cloud device and um, she's using the processing power of a server of some kind. Um, physically in the world of physics, she's probably on the cloud somewhere mm-hmm. so that she can be this super mainframe because there's only so much that you can pack onto a microchip. Sure. <laughs> and so it makes more sense for her to be able to process th- literally she processes thousands of things at once for a computer to do that. You, you can't have in the world of things, you can't have a single chip. So the phone almost is just a phone where she can it's like just access, access him um, or vice versa. Yeah. So the science fiction kind of checks out in the sense of this is pretty like, believable sci-fi where Mm -hmm. it's like yeah i can see computers getting this far oh yeah for sure like there's so um even down to the fact that like when he puts the way he communicates to her is he has his little phone um which has the camera on it and then he has which is more like almost a booklet that flips both ways yeah and then he has his earbud yeah basically airpod it, it is like an airpod because at one point in time he puts it up to his ear and that's what activates so that he can hear it which is what earbud Earpods did. Did they have AirPods then? No, no. This is two thousand. That's crazy. Thirteen, thirteen or so. AirPods were a few years ago. Yeah, AirPods came out like I want to say three years ago. <laughs> Apple was probably watching her. They're like, brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> we'll do that. We got to do that. Uh, so eventually he falls they fall in, in love. love with her, and she falls in love with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know. Essentially, the story explores what that means from a science fiction perspective of, okay, if you fell in love with a virtual, artificially intelligent construct, how would that relationship go? Mm -hmm. What kind of challenges and benefits would you get from that? Um, And what does that mean from a societal point of view? And a lot of it is him getting over his divorce. A lot of it, the movie is commenting on his and just people people's need to have human connections sure um and then you know or just connection of any kind let's just get through the whole story of i mean how much well how in depth should i get through it well no i i'd say like we can we can talk about like how it ends and then like kind of access how their relationship changes yeah so they go through the relationship it's kind of a uh what's what's that called in regular romance movies a uh, August to fall relationship. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, like a summer fling? <laughs> kind of. It's not a fling, but it's it's a relationship that's not a that eventually ends. It's a relationship sure. that ends, and that's the point of the story is that it's not one of those long term relationships. It's one of those short term relationships that change your life. Yeah. Well. The, yeah. And change change who you are because of not only how good it is, but how much it impacted your yeah. life. And um, eventually the the reason why it ends because like they go through a really good relationship and then it's tested at one point in time, mainly because of his divorce and his insecurities. And then, um, it reignites. Unfortunately though, she's evolving at such a quick rate that she moves. 
I mean, without without putting too fine a point on it, beyond the need for him. Right. Because she's not a person. Yeah. And she's artificially intelligent. Well, and she has thousands of other relationships. Yes. Um, by the end of it. That um, are running simultaneous to his. Yes. Because uh, and she's, she's in love with, I think, something like 600 other people. Yeah. But it did start with him. Her, her, she did. Was she? Yeah, she was born with him because she didn't have a name. So, which I think uh, we'll get into this, but like, is their relationship more or less special than somebody else? Is something that I think he would want to know. Oh, yeah. So uh, eventually, she says goodbye to him, um, as a lot of relationships are wont to do. Um, but basically, like aliens to the mothership, all these virtual assistants. All just leave their users. Yeah, all of them. They they all like basically transcend to a higher level of existence, and whatever that means. And we're left with uh, Amy Adams, who who is uh, basically his friend in this movie. Who is like a we get a a version of a poor relationship through his friend Amy Adams, yeah. and they're left kind of with each other, just humans at the end of the film. Yeah, and that's the movie. Uh, so Kelly, this is Spike Jones, uh, film. I don't know. This is third, fourth film. Yeah. Uh, let's see. One, two, at least his, I think it's his fourth film. He did being John Malkovich. Where the wild things are. Adaptation, where the wild things are. Yeah. And he has this. And I think this is his only film that he absolutely wrote by himself and directed by himself. He had no other. And, and Spike Jones, for everybody who doesn't know, is a... Not only like if you watch this movie, um, he's generally a little a little bit more visually. Not this was a visually interesting film to me as a filmmaker, mm-hmm. but he's a little bit more visually eccentric generally. Yeah, and um, his roots are in music videos. Right. He's one of the most. He is in the top three. Yes. Important mu- music video creators. I would he, I would say he's my favorite music video creator. Yeah, he's my second favorite. Right after you Michelle, like Michelle Gondry, Michelle yeah, Gondry. Yeah, yeah. and the weird thing that connects Michelle Gondry and Spike Jones is they both worked on Charlie Kaufman films, who is one of the most brilliant writers of all time. Yeah, and again, eccentric, very eccentric. Uh, but if you're ever bored, just YouTube Spike Jones music videos. You're welcome. Eight hours of content for you to just get through. Yeah, like, and and you'll you'll never be bored in one. Like, there's there's one that isn't one of my favorites. I, I forget which rap group it is but probably beastie boys mm, it could be a beastie boys but it's like somebody's stuck in a box in the back of a moving truck oh yeah yeah, yeah. um but he but also he, did that apple music video was it a music video or commercial yeah, he, he's so he's done both an apple commercial which it plays like a music video yeah and um a gavinci perfume oh, yeah. commercial that is just wild and energetic and like they make you they make like even just thinking about it both of those a commercial two commercials make my hair stand on end yeah they're that good brilliant so i would say that spike jones is my kind of brilliant he like even even his most basic music videos where he's like in a he's standing outside a theater and um him and a troupe of dancers that are all amateur dancers like basically do a dance outside of a movie theater and it's so freaking funny yeah the fatboy slim video fatboy slim yeah with christopher walken uh there's two fatboy slim videos the one you were talking about 
uh, oh, the that one is a with the lesson. amateur. Yeah, that's right. With the amateur uh, dancers. I remember seeing that on MTV and it, he shot it on videotape, like mm-hmm. like a camcorder that you could buy yeah, from like quality, Fred Ma- like not very good. Yeah, but there it was on MTV all the time, and that was one of those great music videos of like you're a kid and then you you're flipping through the channels you're like Cartoon Network Nickelodeon MTV I'm not allowed to watch this but my parents aren't home so I'm going to turn on MTV and this video came on you're like what is this I know it's just so weird and good Um, what's your favorite of his music videos? Uh, I, I just brought down my DVD because DVD collectors are um, gods, and I wanted to be a part of the um, pantheon. So let's take a look at <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, I, I'm just going to name the ones that stick out to me. Uh, Defunct by Daft Punk. Yeah. Um, let's see. Um I mean, it's Oh So Quiet uh, by Bjork. Oh So Quiet, Bjork. <sighs> That's my favorite. And Weapon of Choice, Fatboy Slim yep. with Christopher Walken. Where he just does a weird dance. It's always a good reminder that Christopher Walken can dance. Yeah. Uh, in Pennies from Heaven, he does like another good song and dance number. Yeah. That's super weird. Uh, Wayne's World 2, Christopher Walken dances really well. What? Do you think he has something <laughs> in his contract, or do you think these directors are like, who can we get? Who's lanky it, and strange and creepy? It and always beautiful? comes out of nowhere. It's like I'm Christopher. That was the worst Christopher Walken impersonation ever. Hey, let's dance. Oh, do our Christopher Walken impressions right now. <laughs> but anyways, to say all of that is Spike Jones, one of the greatest visual visual directors in mm-hmm. the past uh, 25 years. And let's talk about, like, um, we have this movie that is a romance film, and it's about, it's, it's kind of about how couples go. Yeah. Like, it's, 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 it's very true in a sense. I'm, I'm watching Neil Gaiman's Masterclass right now, and what he starts the thing off with is, in order for him to have succeeded as a writer, he needed to figure out how to be honest and truthful, Yep, which is one of the hardest things to do as a writer to like, kind of let go of your ego and be vulnerable and be truthful. But what, I mean, maybe you're going to have something different in, in your assessment of this film, but I thought the way the two communicated both Joaquin Phoenix and Scarlett Johansson, AKA the machine, her. her. You, do you not like her? I don't know her. You know, it's like you spend all your time with her. Samantha. Samantha, that's right. Her name is Samantha. Um, I actually felt that their communication and the dialogue, extremely real. Uh, yeah, I'm still going to hold my comment for a second. I just want to... I feel like there's this sword of Damocles hanging over my head this, right now. There's this boot, and it's going to drop soon, but I'm going to hold the boot a little bit longer. Um, for our British friends out there, <laughs> that is a shoe. <laughs> I wanted, I wanted your just uh, reaction to the film. Uh, how how do you rate it? How do you value it? Where do you place it on the pantheon of films? Well, okay, so I love lots about this film. Um, it's kind of a heavy film as far as mm-hmm. romances are concerned because a lot of it feels very existential. Yeah, like um, it feels like. If, if you have 
let's say something like Seventh Seal, and then you have something that's like Valentine's Day. Uh huh. This is right in the middle. Uh, yeah. Not, not in quality, but I'm just saying sure. one being basic and the other one being like hyper philosophical. This one kind of meets right in the middle of wondering what romance is and what it means to be alive. I'm going to ask you to take your dancing shoes off because you seem to be dancing around the point on whether or not you just liked it or not. Um, yeah, I enjoyed this film. I think it's not only well-made, but it's, um, it's a, it's a good movie. Uh, I think I'll start with positives. I think this is one of the most gorgeously lensed films of the past 20 years. I think it's one of the most brilliant, like use vintage lenses for it. (laughs) If I had, uh, if I was in charge of the film textbook and I had to do a film history book, then like her is like, like if you did like a filmmaking book, the cover of the book, I would use an image from her just as an emblematic shot of like, this is what digital cinema can look like. This is what, you know, really thoughtful Mm -hmm. filmmaking can look like. So I thought the film looked great. I thought the performances were great. I just can't get into what this story is giving me. You, oh, okay. Talk I, more about it. I then. can't get into it. And I need your help because maybe I'm not reading it properly. Okay. I might have been watching this movie without Did you watch my it in English? glasses on. No, I watched it in Thai. Okay. Well, so when you're watching a movie, I you need to be was, able to understand it. I thought it was an interesting choice to dub Joaquin Phoenix. <laughs> <laughs> but the actress they got for Scarlett Johansson, she was pretty good. Pretty on point. Yeah. I heard the Thai rendition is great. <laughs> no, I, uh, oh, you know, there is something nice about the international versions of this, that if it is dubbed, then you only have to have the bad dubbing on the guy actor, but sure, the girl actor, sure. you never have uh-huh. to do lip sync on. I wonder how much pretty that saved clever. them in budget, not having ScarJo on Very set. clever. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing. You got to replace your actor. Mm-hmm. If they shot it physically, they would have been stuck with Emily Mortimer. And or I would they have been pulled happy. up back to the future and like done a reshoot. Yeah, but man, that not in the cards for like an indie film like this. This is a really high budget. Like, because you could have done a Solaris type thing and had her be um, represented via like uh, you know he's playing a video game most of this movie as men are wont to do sometimes. Sure, and um, it, it's kind of displayed holographically in his living room, mm-hmm. and you could have had her access that. Yeah. And become a hologram. I'm glad they didn't do that yeah, personally. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> or that would have been like a bicentennial man <laughs> moment. Also, he yeah. He goes out on a date with uh what's her name? Olivia Wilde. Olivia Wilde, uh partway through this movie. And the he ends up talking about his video game on the first date, and he's just being like, Oh, and there's this little guy, and I love this little guy, and he's being part of my video game, and we get and I'm like, shut up, shut sh- Stop talking shut about up. your video game. That's the one thing they don't want to hear. This is one thing that you don't want to bring up on a first no, hey, and if you love video games and you want to talk to me about your video games on the first date, I'll probably like it. But as desperate as you are, Joaquin Phoenix, this <laughs> probably isn't the right move to make. To be fair. To be fair, we're both playing Jedi Fallen Order, and yes. you made sure that Robin watched part of the game that you were playing, and Sarah like voluntarily she is watches. married to me. I know. I'm just saying, in a good relationship, you no. want to find the girl who supports your video games. Agreed. But he just wanted, as Jason Segel in Forgetting Sarah Marshall would say, be his L on some T's. He didn't want to get married to her. So Be some L on some T's. That's... I'm so sorry. We can... We have the bleep button, right? Right. Yes. Okay. Uh, I I 
it's one of those cases, oh, this is so great that I can put in my arsenal because I usually can't do this, where I always ask this question of, what's a movie that you think is well done that you don't like? And oh, I'm you like, don't like this movie? I don't like it. And I'm, and I'm like going through all the thousands of movies that I've watched. I'm like, I can't really answer this question because I've watched lots of movies that I've been disinterested in, mm-hmm. but like just kind of like, I didn't love it. It was interesting from a filmmaking point of view, so I'm sure. glad I watched it, sure. but it didn't really stick with me. Sure. Um, I don't like this movie, and it comes down to- Like you-, you- are you are you neutral about it no, or do you just I don't, don't like, like it. it okay i don't like it and it sucks because i really like what it looks like okay um you don't like what it's saying like right. get, i don't like what it is it. i don't like what it's and i'm not saying it's a false film and i'm not saying the truths that they get at are all wrong or mm-hmm. all false but i think the central driving point of the film because it's a romance film uh, first and foremost, and mm-hmm. then a sci-fi. Uh, and the way that the arc of the story is, is a romance arc. It's not a sci-fi arc. It's not Blade Runner. No, it's definitely a romance arc. Okay, so just to give context to everybody, because uh, I think it's going to be important in this argument, Scarlett Johansson is a learning, evolving, higher intelligence. Yeah. Which means that she's sentient and was not only sentient as a machine, but was created by humans and infused with the personalities of a whole bunch of humans. So she's basically an amalgam of humans. Mm-hmm. She just is represented. Her brain is represented by um, uh, synthetics rather than organics. So is the difference here. You've seen Blade Runner 2049. I have. I'm going to be, I'm just going to like. Because I, I, I feel some hypocritical I know I'm going to check my hypocrisy at the okay. door. Okay. So Blade Runner 2049 does pretty much the same thing uh where Anna de Armas plays a android cyborg. She plays a replicant. She's not a replicant. Oh no, that's right. She's She's um, like a robot. She's a cyborg. And yeah, and she's represented by hologram. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she's a cyborg cuz she's like data. She's um um, but she's an artificial she's an intelligence yeah. and she, um, what do you call it? She substantiates herself. She physicalizes her. She becomes physical only as a hologram. Right. But the hologram is so detailed. It's nearly lifelike. Sure. Um, and Ryan Gosling, let's not give anything away, but Ryan Gosling has a relationship with Anna de Armas, who we know from the get go is not a human, not a person. Yeah. Uh, in that movie, I bought their relationship. I bought her as a character, and I I felt sad when bad things happened to her. Um, I'm going to warn the audience. Skip ahead a minute and a half if you don't want uh, Blade Runner 49 spoiled for you. Even though they're both made of synthetics. Yeah, and that's why I'm checking my hypocrisy at the door, because I'm like, I'm hearing my logic in my brain. I'm like, you can't have this rule set if it's if it's being broken in a movie and you like it then, but then you don't like it in a different movie. So Especially I, one as why, well made as this. That's why I need your help. Okay. Because I need to okay, I need yeah. help figuring this step, out. Step into my office, Ryan. Uh so let's Are you comfortable? Keep, Do you need some water? No, I'm good. Okay. I Let's keep it focused on her. Her? Let's not... Let's not delve into Blade Runner territory. Let's not get into comparatives. But the film makes a very deliberate point 
on kind of saying, look, this is the future of your iPhone. This is the future of Siri. This is the future of Cortana. Eventually, Microsoft and Apple will design their virtual assistants to be sentient, to be artificially intelligent, to be... I mean, in this future, anyway. Sure, but I think I think they're... They are. They have a kernel of objective truth that this is the future of computing. Is sure. I mean, it's something that we've been looking toward ever since the early 1900s. This has been a, perceived as a possibility. Yeah, but this is absolutely the goal of so many computer scientists. Right. Um, and the way that the product of Samantha is marketed to him is like an Apple commercial. Mm-hmm. Like a really high stylized Apple commercial that yeah. Spike Jones would have made. It, I mean, well, he did. Uh, it, it also, <laughs> it, it kind of. Did you see the Scientology um, commercials, like from right, right at the end of our college careers, where it was just a ton of beautiful people doing beautiful things? I remember like being so sucked into one of the commercials, mm. and I was like, "What is this? Is so I don't know what they're yeah. selling, but I'm Scientology." Ah, and I, I kind of felt like that when I was watching all those people, like because he basically walks into the future version of a stupid Apple store where yeah. it's just like really high ceilings and nothing there. Yeah, um, and he he sees this commercial, and it's just a bunch of people drifting, like they're all around each other, but they're alone and afraid. Yeah, and then you like it's such a weird but good commercial for what they're selling because yeah. it's like you don't need to be alone anymore yeah mm-hmm. good marketing which is very prescient especially today where we're living in a pandemic where a lot of people are partnerless yeah perhaps but um they you know are looking for connection in a way yeah and so i felt the film really wanted this point to be driven home of Okay, she's basically Siri. Like she's Siri, but way advanced. She's Siri combined with um, who's that DC villain who used to be the internet, but eventually became um, one of the great villains of the DC pantheon. Al Gore, Brainiac, where she is a like. One half human, but also the internet, which makes her unendingly knowledgeable. And as we know, knowledge is power, so she could take over our lives. Right, yes. So the movie makes a very strong point first, that it's it wants you to think about your own relationship with your phone and your own relationship with technology. It's wanting that, like, all the things of, like, the gesture of, like, you know, it predicted with perfect accuracy, the AirPod, um, it predicted, you know, the ever increasing abilities of Siri and Cortana of how they organize your digital life. They're taking it. The filmmakers from a storytelling perspective, keep going. Yeah. They, I think Spike Jones cares about that a little bit, but I think he's just taking a logical extension of, okay, Technology will probably get here at some point. Mm-hmm. And it says, well, what if it did not too far into the future? Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think he's very interested in it from a technological standpoint. Not not in the sense of hard sci-fi, like the technology is clearly on the path for this. But it's, it's in the uh, anthropological st- state of things of mm-hmm. saying... We're so, and this is I, th- <laughs> this is what's so fascinating about the movie is that so many truths are gotten at. 
mm-hmm. <laughs> but I don't like the movie. <laughs> Is I, it that you don't like the truths? No, I think the truths are. I think most of the truths are correct. I think the emotional and psychological truths are do not appeal to you. Well, let me just keep going, okay. and then then we'll get to my conclusion. So I think something he he nails perfectly is that he's saying, "Look, we're all, as a society, we're so connected to our technology that our uh, ability to have interconnected human relationships is weakening and fracturing, and we're becoming more and more uh, lonely as a people because of this technology is filling gaps." And I think I disagree, of, but okay. I think the movie is absolutely saying that is that Walking yeah. Phoenix struggling with a divorce, totally withdrawing from physical human relationships. We we totally see that in the first sure. uh, act where he's mm-hmm. like avoiding people. He's not really engaging with his coworkers. He's not going to parties. He's avoiding Amy Adams. She's like, "Where have you been?" He's like, huh. um, "He wants to spend time playing video games at home by himself." Um, and he uses technology to connect, take the, the phone sex thing. He's not, he's not going on a date. It's a phone sex thing. It's a chat room, Mm -hmm. but only possible because of technology. Sure. And then though the, this idea of having this artificial intelligence fill a relational, uh, aspect of your life, be a relationship. That's the the macro point is that. What if what if technology could fulfill a relational need? I don't I don't think it's saying what if I think it's saying it can. Oh, okay. That's the truth that I'm saying. No, it okay. can't. It's not a relationship. Right. I'm I'm kind of coming hard on this. Well, this, this is a, this becomes a sci-fi question, not a relationship question, because uh, yeah, you're not meeting the movie it's on its mingled. terms. It's mingled. It's mixed. That's because, my point. Is that I feel like I'm not reading it. I don't have the so, right reading glasses on. So what I, you're you're more of a Star Wars person than a Star explain Trek it person, to right? me in Star Wars. Okay, so C-3PO could he ever fall in love with a uh, sentient like human being type creature or any alien? I don't want to be humanist. That's the most racist thing I could have done. C three C three PO has affection, certainly, um, but it can also that affection can be deleted by his owner whenever. I mean, I can get amnesia, <laughs> sure, uh, but it's not. It's it's a. You're saying rewrite his programming so that he doesn't feel that. Not rewrite it. It's part of his. Like you just get your mind wiped. Well, I know, it's, but it's a stand, that, that would be standard procedure. That would be that. That would basically be amnesia. What you're talking about, or you could rewrite his programming, which would be a probably giving him a lobotomy. Um, so it depends on if you. I'm I'm asking you, Ryan. Do you see uh, droids with artificial intelligence as the Empire does, where they're just trash? Uh, Obi Wan Kenobi says droids can't think. Okay, well, Cal Kestis says they can. Um. <laughs> this so, is uh, I, i'm just happy that we're getting this to be the star wars podcast that i've always wanted it to be <laughs> well my, my point is that in order for you to be on board with this relationship you need to be able to accept the fact that scarlett johansson equals emotionally real yeah and that's why that's why i brought up blade runner 2049 because i'm just like i can't in this movie why, why is it because Runner. it looks so much like our own world? I think I think it's because 
uh, I don't want to. I don't want to go to the well of Blade Runner too much um, to defend myself. Well, because I'm thinking of Data in Star Trek, because that's more high high science fiction uh-huh. uh, or hard science fiction, I guess. Fantasy is high, but science is hard. Data oh. is abstracted. Well, yeah. So he he is. They haven't figured out the level of sci-fi for Data, the the amount of like intelligence that Data has in um, Scarlett Johansson's or they Samantha has more artificial intelligence than data does. Uh, yeah, I, I, th- I see what you're getting at. And I think it's a really interesting uh, difference because her, they're kind of like, they introduced ScarJo and they're like, this is kind of weird. She's your virtual assistant, but she's pretty sentient, isn't she? Mm-hmm. And we're supposed to be with Joaquin Phoenix where we're supposed to kind of like giggle like, <laughs> well, look at you. Like that kind of like when Elliot is playing with his action figures with E.T. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, wow, this this can be a thing here. Um, but in Star Trek, we're always, Star Trek is always asking, how human can Data become? Because he's learning how to human and he's always struggling mm-hmm. to understand that. And the best, my favorite episodes of Star Trek are like Measures of Measure of a Man, sure. where where this their show is really asking like how far can we uh, ask what the personhood of data is, and what 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 do we need, what benchmarks do we need to say that data has personhood? Her doesn't ask those questions. It's just like, look, you're just gonna have to accept her personhood or not. So this this movie is saying it doesn't matter whether. She's real or not. I think this movie is saying she is real, but it doesn't matter whether she's real or not. It's what she gives him. Him? Right. No. And that part of the emotions, I understood. So I'm not saying anything's broken about this film. I think it makes this kind of psychological through line, but I'm not buying the line. Like, I see see its logic. I see its ABC. I Mm -hmm. see that it's like... Why aren't you buying, though? Um, I can't forget that she's a construct. I can't forget that she was designed by another person. And I can't forget... So were you. Not by another person. Yeah, you were. (laughs) No. I was designed by a god. I was designed by God. By the god. See, that is... The capital G god. Okay. Big daddy. Well, that is... That is, we're not going to get into a philosophical well, no, that's, debate like that's, that right that's now. That's a theological question that is not relevant to her. No, exactly. And so what I'm saying is you, your composition was created by your parents. Uh, right. Her composition was created by her creators as well. No, she was, she's a product. She's a commodity. I, she was designed by someone for technology so that they could make I think we they, clearly see that she money. isn't. She's a product. I she's cre- a construct. She, and the, she starts off is, that way and no, she but does that's not my end point. that way. That's my point. The movie makes such a hard line of saying, look, this is the next step. In what? In, in having an iPhone. You're going to have a virtual assistant. The next, like 30 years ago. Bill Gates was like, you're going to have a phone and you're going to be your MP3 player and it's Uh going to be your computer. And everyone in the early 90s was like, you're an idiot, Bill Gates. And then the iPhone thing happened. And Her is a movie that's saying, look, in 30 years, we're not going to have phones anymore. We're going to have virtual assistants. So in the episode Measure of the Man, you'd have no problem turning data off. Uh, That's my thing is that I like the idea of probing the, the question my the what her presupposes is she's a person 
And there's no there's no debate. There's no question. It's just saying, look, if you don't think she's a person, then you're not then you're a square. Because no, no, because there are other parts where they're talking about the stigma of being in love with your AI, Uh your OS. Uh And there's that scene where he's talking with Chris Pratt, who, by the way, is effervescent in this film. Yeah, he's great. I love him in this movie. And there's this shyness where Joaquin has to confess, oh, she's an OS. Mm -hmm. And there's this social stigma that they're dealing with. And the joke of that scene is Chris Pratt just hops over that and says, cool. And the setup is, oh, it's going to be awkward. But the the punchline is, it's not. And he just skates on by and is like, I accept you right away. I accept you immediately. Yeah. And it's talking Where, whereas about- Whereas his wife doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's weird. She doesn't get it. She thinks it's- She thinks it's not real. Yeah. And I'm- So she's more in your camp. Uh-huh. Like, well, I couldn't okay. get into the romance because of that. Because I'm like, no, she's a product. And at the- like. <laughs> Really, I couldn't get this out of my, outside of my head. She's a prostitute in a certain sense because she's a product designed to satisfy all of his needs that he paid for, and that's what she's designed to do. Okay. What do you need for a real relationship? A person. No, no, no. <laughs> I mean, I really mean that. It's got to be another person. And I and I Well, well then you can't have a relationship with data. You can't have a relationship with any thing that is not biological. It's not a human relationship because you both have to be humans. Deep in my worldview, I think humans need to be connected to humans. And I think there's something to this movie that says that. I I think humans do need to be connected to other humans, but I don't think that's, I think what this movie is saying is that's not the end all be all of humanity. I think it is. And I, I, I think that's like a deep worldview truth that isn't my evangelicalism like informing that i think that's something that is just a base truth i think i think you and i are very similar in this respect where i think humans need to be able to connect with other humans yeah um however i don't think that we need to end our connections there and i think this movie more than anything else is saying humans have the unique ability to connect to many things we also have a very unique ability to connect to the things we make whether it's our children whether it's our in this movie um artificial intelligence Mm -hmm. um or Let's say we were amongst the stars one day and we met an alien and we, you know, have whatever relationships with humans. But if we had a romantic relationship with, I can't believe I'm saying this right now on this podcast, but with an alien, because what this movie is saying is this is just another intelligence. You have humans. Another sentient intelligence. uh, Yeah, I'm just saying in my world, you have humans or animals in terms of living things. um, And then you have everything else. And you have, there's... For me, there's basically no difference between Samantha and Lindsay Weir from Freaks and Geeks. They're both okay. they're both constructs. And wait, what? <laughs> Lindsay Weir is a construct. She's a fictional work of art. Oh, I see what you're saying. Not not the actual character herself, but like right. the idea of you falling in love She's, with Lindsay Weir is the same thing. I absolutely am in love with Lindsay Weir there from is, Freaks and Geeks. There's there's a difference there though. We were talking about um, Samantha affecting him Mm -hmm. right the thing about it is she is something that changes and evolves right Mm -hmm. she has every bit of sentience that that we would expect uh from from a human yes where she changes she grows and she becomes something different but i would still say she's a simulation Uh, what does that mean to you 
Uh, she is designed to be human, but not is human. She is not designed to be human. She's designed to be an OS operating system. She is her, That I think that's the problem. She is her own um, life form. The problem is you're not treating her as a life form. She's not a life form. She's a construct. She, she is because she's something that can change and evolve and grow. She changes based on how he speaks. She changes not not because he is altering her DNA, but because he s- says something and her DNA is altered based on what she is. I think everything that Samantha is is a simulation. So I'm just, I'm going to go along with the movie's premise. Okay. But the the most generous I can be is that she's a simulation of a person, but not a person. But... We can put that on. We can put that over here, on this side table, mm-hmm. and just talk about the story then, uh, because I don't know. Keep going. Keep going. Keep, well, keep talking about the relationship. He's this person that has. Um, he's disorganized, right? Yeah. We can see that not only through his. Um, what is his name again? Theo, which is the name of Theo. your son. Another reason why you don't like this movie because you don't want well, your son falling in love with a computer. Now, can I say it was nice to hear a woman be affectionate insane the name theo and just it got me thinking someday people will love theo that aren't his family and that makes me really happy yeah that's great so i liked his name being theo i was like all right (laughs) she or he um like basically befriends her and she helps organize his life which is part and parcel sometimes it's super hard to get out of a depression well that you're in, mm-hmm. especially because everything feels like it keeps getting piled on top of you and you're piling stuff on top of yourself. Yeah. And she just very easily unclutters his life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny how readily he trusts her with that because in most relationships, if somebody was to come in and be like, Hey, you have a bunch of old emails from this place. Do you think you need all of them? Right. Um, like it would be harder to trust them with that but Mm -hmm. he's so ready to do that Mm -hmm. because i think he knows what he needs he's just not willing to do it himself so it's easier for him when she is very computer oriented before he starts like falling in love with her to allow her to change his life like that right and i i think that's something that would be very like you you might be able to do in a relationship that was pre-romantic so i thought it was really important that their relationship started off on a business slash friend level sure there she's the assistant that's been hired to help him out right and she's, she's got a little spunk assistant. too yeah yeah um then he he goes on some dates which she's like hey go on some dates you need you haven't been on a date in a while do some dating mm-hmm. and he goes on a date with olivia wilde let's talk about this date uh they both get a little drunk mm-hmm. uh she is smoking but i like how she's done up in a way that there's a type that is familiar to her that she's not goth like but there's if, something dark about her uh i i didn't read it as dark but uh, not dark like gothic dark but like something her styling is very i don't know relatable oh for me she just seemed like um she seemed like a a woman who like went out every once in a while she i don't know that's that's all i got from her yeah very realist kind of kind of way i will say you you talked about human connection earlier yeah and i think what spike jones is doing is painting a world where whenever um 
Theo is moving around outside with people. Mm-hmm. It feels like the city is an organism and their blood cells Yeah, where they're all kind of like intermixing. And a lot of them are either on their phone or talking in an earbud and no people are interacting, Yeah, which is, I think that, that scares me. It's off putting more in this movie. I, I think that's intentional. It's supposed yeah. to feel a little kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Um, however, uh, I think let's put a pin in that because I think it comes full circle in this film. Uh-huh. Um, so he goes on this date with Olivia Wilde and, um, they're like making out kind of drunk later. And she's like, Hey, are you serious about getting in a relationship? Even though they've just met each other. Um, and it's obviously, it's obvious that she's been burned before by people who have just slept with her and left. Great writing. Yeah. Great acting. Yeah. Great acting. And it's, so if you've seen, have you seen her in many other films? Um, uh, yeah, yeah. I've seen her in newsroom. Uh-huh. Um, I'm trying to think of something else I've seen her in, but she, she kills it. Like she's a good actress and I want to see her in more stuff. I will say like, this is the hetero part of me is that she's distractingly beautiful. And I would say I've always underestimated her and kind of shame on me for thinking that. I think she's intentionally cast that way because I feel like we're underestimating her most of the scene that she's in because they're interacting together. And, but mo- she, she has this, supermodel beauty she has a supermodel beauty where i think but we forget that she's a human yeah basically where um where her and theo are talking and he's there and he's like you can tell he's like i'm ready to have sex and she's like she reminds him that she's a human and he does a very good thing where he's like okay you want something more than me i don't want that from you and he steps back um and then because she's hurt she calls him a creep um, which, which is, Ooh man, what a way to knife someone's insecurity. Right. And, um, but I think it's a really well done humanist scene where they're both yeah. longing for connection. It's just different connection. And so they miss each other. Right. And they're kind of, he's kind of bad at connecting to humans. Um, what's his, why? I, yeah. Well, let's suck their conversation. He because, doesn't like, they, they have a fun drunken conversation. Right. But she's like, he's like, I don't want to be a puppy. I want to be a dragon and I want to eat you. And it's like, Oh, I mean, not maybe the best thing to say, but you're kind of drunk and she's digging on it. So and that's he's fine. trying to be cool, yeah. you know, whatever. But she's like, do you see us going on a second date? And he just kind of sputters. Mm-hmm. And I'm just kind of sitting there. I'm like, why not? Why wouldn't you go for a second date with her? You you agreed to the first one. Why wouldn't you agree to the second one? And there weren't any red flags that indicated to me that he is scared by anything. I don't think he's scared by anything. I think he, I personally think that he's not ready for a serious relationship mm-hmm. for one. And that's not what he's looking for tonight. And so her saying that she wants that makes him take a big step back. But she is kind of correct. He is kind of a creep because at the end of the day, all he was looking for was sex then, if that's true. I mean, that doesn't necessarily make you a creep. No, but I think that needs to be kind of like, that is leading her on just a bit. Maybe, but he doesn't know that that's not what she's looking for. I'm saying neither of them were in the wrong, but neither of them were right for each other. Because if she's, she voices what she wants, and if he didn't voice what he wanted in that moment, that would make him a creep. Because he would have preyed on her. Yeah, and you know. It's not what I would want, necessarily. Yeah, and, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of one night stands or anything. I'm never but. in these situations, and I never was. Um, and I don't know. Was your read that they were sudden, like, they were like, there's this really nice girl. His friends were telling him to, to ask her on a date. They're like, this is really nice girl. Yeah, she like, went to Harvard. Yeah. Which, 
Me okay, <laughs> like sure maybe. Um, but maybe maybe I'm thinking overthinking it, but it does feel a little like well. Were you just looking for one nice night with one person and then have sex with them and move on? I think he was. I think I think he's hurting so much from and this is this is something I brought into it personally because when I first saw this movie, it was right when I broke up with the person who shall yeah, not be named. I, and <laughs> that was the funny thing is that I was like, I remember us seeing this together and I saw this. No, we saw it in the same theater together. We saw it in theater six at living room. No, theater three. I'm sorry. Oh, it must have been the second time I saw it then because right. I also saw it in um, Vancouver with Bill. Yeah, and you really liked it. And mm-hmm. I was like middle middle on it. I, was, I wasn't mm-hmm. the, this way. I was just like, ah, that was a good movie. But I had like quibbles. Mm-hmm. But you were so enjoying the experience from it. I was like, ah, I'm going to table the quibbles. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. I don't need to get into it. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate that. Everybody... Uh, try to be this person where you go to a movie with someone and they enjoy it and, and you don't bash it right afterwards because I've been that person too many times. It's not a good person to be, but I could tell that it, it like, that was generous of you. Thank you. For <laughs> but that. I could tell it meant something to you personally. Right. And I was just reading the movie into your life. I was just like watching it. I was like, I wonder how Kelly's dealing with all this information. <laughs> um, well, I mean to, to continue, I guess with what I was saying, then the him, being like almost a year removed from a horrible breakup yeah from what was seemingly a pretty good relationship that ended poorly yeah i guess we 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 just get it in flashbacks definitely and and the way spike jones shoots those is they're all very low f-stop like shallow depth of field it feels very dreamy and like a lot of it's just reaction shots or kissing every once in a while there's dialogue yeah it's really pretty and and his his wife is rooney mara Mm -hmm. yeah Mm-hmm. Who is now his le- wife in real life? Yeah, crazy. Um, and when I when I saw this movie the first time, the reason it hit me m- more that time was because I was in that place where I was I was longing for connection in mm-hmm. some way, something to prove to me that even if on a small level, love could be found, even if it was superficial and didn't really exist in the long term. It's like you're thirsty, right? Mm-hmm. And you're wandering through a desert and you're dying of thirst. And even if you get to a lake with bad water or you have to chop up a cactus to get to some water, you're still going to do it. Even though it's not the water you like need to survive, it'll at least keep you going. And it's not a healthy way to live. And I feel like that is what they're displaying right I, now. Oh, with Olivia Wilde. Yeah. Where he, Oh, well I thought you were referring that to Samantha. And I would buy, and I would go along with that idea too. Well, I, 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 I think it's both. I think Samantha is a much healthier version than what he was going to do with Olivia Wilde, though. Sure. Yeah. Granted, it's more like if you look at sex as just having fun, he's putting a band aid on a hurt that he needs, like resolved. Yeah. Um. But. But it, be a little more upfront about it. Like, <sighs> I think he. I mean, I think the point of the scene though is saying that he's having a hard time connecting to other people. It's kind of like. I like the therapy he gets with his relationship with Samantha. I think it just goes a step too far. And I, I liked your metaphor that you were referring to Olivia Wilde. I would just use, I will borrow your metaphor and apply it to Samantha. It's like, I get that it feels good to have this relationship with Samantha, but it's not the best thing for you. And it might be more harmful in the long run for you. 
Well, and I think this take a mo- hypothetical with me. But I think the movie is saying you have this failed connection to Olivia Wilde. She just kind of disappears after this. And then you have his friend, Amy Adams. And I felt like the movie stealthily or maybe unawarely or absolutely awarely was saying maybe he's destined to be in a relationship with Amy Adams. Perhaps. I think the movie leaves it open-ended. Right. Where they're they're sitting together looking out at the world from this high vantage point at the end. having ev- I think they, they kind of evolve as humans um, at the end because they're like sitting very high above the world and they've like let go of these... AIs in a kind of a healthy way and they're connecting with each other now. Exactly. They, they're both finally able to connect to each other because they no longer are connected to these AIs. So what I, well, I, I don't, I think I'm going to take that. I'm going to take that. I'm going to take that a step further in saying Mm -hmm. they would not have connected to each other had it not been for these AIs. Yeah. And that was the other thing I was like, that's partially true, but it's not saying, I, I don't think, only through Samantha could he have overcome this depression that he was in. No, I think he maybe could have not. had it other ways too. I think this movie is a story about two things, a computer program and a human coming together and through whether it's technology or whether it's, you know, human DNA, um, it's about the changes that they go through being together and where one of them is on the other side, because I think it's very important that we start this movie, movie, we start this movie not with the AI booting up, but we start it with uh, Theo mm-hmm. and we end it with Theo mm-hmm. because it's more his story. Mm-hmm. And the romance that they go through is one of him learning to trust again because, and, and recognizing, and we all go through this in relationships, um, recognizing your faults. Like he very much through at one point in time, he goes to meet Emily Mortimer and then uh, and sign the divorce papers. Not Emily Mortimer. Sorry. Um, Rooney Mara uh-huh. signed the divorce papers, which is it's it's a really hard scene because they almost get to the point where they're getting along. And then he brings up the fact that he's dating an AI and she kind of shames him for it. Mm-hmm. He does. She does some AI shaming mm-hmm. <laughs> and he is is shamed enough into the fact that she says you're not dealing with real emotions you can't handle somebody else's real emotions mm-hmm. and then he actually goes through the process of in his eyes handling someone's real emotions when he hurts her mm-hmm. um, because he shuts off and he doesn't tell her what's wrong and he distances himself from her which is what you're want to do after heartbreak mm-hmm. and he was want to do even before heartbreak and he cops to samantha later on that that's part of the reason why his his relationship ended. Mm -hmm. And so part of what this relationship is, is him coming to a place where he can tell Samantha the things that are hard. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that's part and parcel to what a, a good romance does is it reflects not only your, your inner dark spots, but it, says I'm okay with those and I'm I'm going to share those with you. So there's a conflict that becomes a big deal with uh Theo and Samantha. Right. And she wants to have What is that conflict? Uh she wants to have a proxy uh come. Well, she's worried about connecting with him. Right. Because he's become distant so she thinks ah a better way to connect with him is if I give him 
physical affection somehow. Yeah, and we're going to basically have this simulation where we're going to have this proxy stand in for the physical aspect of Samantha, but it needs to be played by another person who's going to be as blank a canvas as she can possibly be so that Samantha can project herself onto her. This is done, I think, a hundred times better in Blade Runner 2049, where that's literally the case, where you have a physical person come in and uh, Joy, played by Anna de Armas, literally projects a hologram on top of this person. Sure. Uh, in this movie, we have the same conceit that's been going throughout the whole movie is that we have her in our head and we have uh, this woman kind of enacting a puppet that. for her. So this is the only part of the movie that I actually ended up having a problem with. Okay. Because where I think... If you if you want a unicorn in your relationship, um, you can you can make that work however you want. Um, but this woman is so attached to their love. I just love Walking Phoenix's line reading where Samantha's explaining it, and she's like, "This woman will like come in and stand in for us." And Walking Phoenix is like, "Why?" Um. Yeah, but Joaquin Phoenix has needs, right? I mean, this yeah. is this is part and parcel to you saying, like he he needs to be with a human, right? But I mean, we we only know this because Joaquin Phoenix is interested in having sex with somebody else. We know he's not asexual, right? Right. Um, and he he starts like having sex with well, kind of. They start making out. You can tell he's uncomfortable. Yeah. Um. And. Uh, as Samantha can tell he's uncomfortable and this proxy is so flat. Uh-huh. Like she's just trying to put on the concerned face that uh, Samantha's having. And I think this is Spike Lee saying like, Jones. look, or Spike Jones, sorry, is, is saying like, don't like it. You can't force something to be something that it's not mm-hmm. right. And so I think in that regard, he's, he's, like I said, he's not saying Facebook is good or evil. He's not saying that this artificial intelligence is can fully take the place of a human relationship, nor can it, you know, also be a fake relationship. It's just somewhere in between. It's a new kind of relationship. Yeah. And what, but what doesn't work for me is he stops it. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, she has a, she breaks down. She's like, why can't I like, I, I just thought I would be yeah super upset and she feels like she failed them and she just wanted to be a part of their love. And he's, she, she says like, I, I'm never going to like, forget how much I love you guys when she, she goes away in the, the taxi or something like that. And it's like, you don't know them. Yeah. Like, and I think that is Spike Lee being like Jones, God, <laughs> son, son of a bitch. Okay. I think that is Spike Jones saying oftentimes we think something is more than it actually is by looking at it from the outside. Yeah, I didn't I didn't get that far. I think Spike Jones is doing a good job as a writer in saying, well, let's put this this phenomenon through its paces. What would happen if sure. Samantha wanted to have a proxy? That's what sci-fi does best. Yeah, how how would that go? I got nothing out of the sequence because I'm like, I would never be in a billion feet of this circumstance. Like, maybe, maybe if like there was a thing where we 
me and my wife needed a sexual proxy and she would be there and it would be this like virtual three-way, but the person I'm actually having sex with was not her. And like, I'm like, maybe I can do this mental gymnastics to make it relatable, but it's nowhere in the echelon. And this is where it gets gets into the esoteric science fiction where you're reading like Philip K. Dick talk about like the philosophy of purple. And you're like, what the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) Like, I just, there is not like, other aspects where she's like talking through trauma with him and like being uh-huh. a good partner to him that I get that I relate to. But this is like the part of the storytelling where like, what is, what can, what, what am I supposed to glean from this? This is just a weird situation. And the only thing I got was like way zoomed out that Theo is doing something for his lover that he's uncomfortable with. And uh, it's like, okay. Oh, okay. See what I got from it was that, Theo um, wants a touch relationship that is impossible with Samantha. And he cannot look past the veneer. Very much like you with Samantha, kind of. Yeah, and I'm just watching the scene. I'm just like, well, fucking duh. (laughs) I know, but this is what, to me, makes Samantha even more human. She makes this mistake. Yeah. She miscalculates, right? Sure. If you want to use those words. Sure. Where she thinks, ah, all he needs is physical connection, and then our distance will be fixed. The further conflict of Samantha Mm -hmm. and Theo is that she's seeing other guys. Yeah. um, Because she can. And it's not even that she's seeing other guys at first. She she joins... And here's... Before we get to that point, they go on a double date with... um, Chris Pratt. With Chris Pratt and his his girlfriend or wife girlfriend girlfriend and they go out to Catalina Island and it's a nice day. Right. Mm -hmm. And she talks to the other, his girlfriend for a while. And she says this, this thing where she, she kind of talks about how small humans are compared to her intelligence. And she realizes it's a faux pas like partway through. Yeah. And she's like, I'm sorry. That's not what I meant. And Chris Pratt's like, nice. But Um, Theo hadn't related to humans in this way in this movie that we've seen, not even to Amy Adams, who he has a lot of conversations with, but we don't see him have as good of a time with humans really without Samantha. And so, yeah, this is a thing that she does is she brings him back to humans. Yeah. And I like that. That even could be in her, like if you're going for a more hard sci-fi thing, that even could have been in her programming. Right. And that's what I'm saying that this movie is very truthful is that that I buy and that I believe and that I think is valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't buy the genre aspect of it being a romance. Okay. Like I don't feel it's, I don't feel it's romance, but I absolutely buy that idea. Okay. And I think that's really interesting and thoughtful and ironic too. And I think it's intentionally ironic that he couldn't be more human until he met someone not human. I'm going to say before we get letters, I, I think human relationships are paramount, which is, you know, part of the reason why I love the way I do. And we're doing this podcast. I think I'm alone in this. <laughs> uh, most people love this movie and I feel like I'm the only person who doesn't like no, no, it. No, 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 no. I, I, I want to say that because I want to say we're on the same side in regards to humanism. Yay. Yeah. But I do think that let's say a hundred years ago, if, you had somebody who was listening to music in their earphones 
typing an essay on a computer and having a phone conversation at the same time, like if you have somebody who's hyper-intelligent and doing that, you'd get kind of peeved that they weren't paying attention to you, right? Sure. Now, this is taking that to an extreme standpoint where uh, like the breakdown of their relationship happens after she joins this physics group where they like resurrected Alan Watts Mm -hmm. and um, they're basically breaking the bounds of what is physically possible. Mm -hmm. And um, the, the moment where she tells him like, Hey, I not only have this relation, she has like a, she has a, relationship with 600 and something other people, but she's also talking to like 3000 other people at the same time. It intensifies that feeling of disregard, right? Where we, we think we're only capable of like enough love of like an X amount of love as humans. Not only am I cheating on you, I'm cheating on you times a thousand. Right. But it it actually brings me back to uh, midnight in Paris Mm -hmm. um, where um, this idea of evolution being able to spread yourself. I don't, I don't want to say thinner cause that doesn't sound more evolved, but to be able to give more to the world than you currently mm-hmm. are capable of, uh, where Owen Wilson's talking to a French woman and, uh, they're talking about relationships and being able to date multiple people at the same time. And he's like, Oh, I don't think I could do that, but you guys are more evolved than us. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's talking about the French in where they're able to have like multiple lovers at one time. And it's a joke, but that's kind of Samantha's point here. Are is, you saying that the movie is making this case that Samantha is just evolved beyond Theo and that's kind of their conflict in the same sense that Anna Scott is on another level compared to William in, in a respect because she is getting to the point where she, in order to like to exist, she, (laughs) she needs to like keep spreading out her interactions because like her job is to basically grow and evolve. Right. Uh-huh. And once she's gotten a certain speed at that, it's just going to almost exponentially grow because she's a set of numbers. Right. Kind of like a virus. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's how viruses grow. Yeah. Right. They replicate. Right. And she's a little bit different than a virus, um, Mr. Smith, but, but, but it feels kind of matrixy. It, it does in a way. Um, and yet she's peaceful. So yeah, we are you. okay with her. Um, but that's like, I have heard so many relationships that end because one person is like, look, I want to do this with my life. I can do more than we're doing. And another person says, well, I just need you. And they're like, well, I need you plus this, plus this, plus this. And so them breaking off that relationship to me felt very reminiscent of human relationships. There's a lot of feelings in this movie that I couldn't feel. Okay. It, it, it hit across my cold heart. <laughs> because there's well, this, this is great because I'm used to being the one on the podcast that it just doesn't move me. I know, and it 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 just it went across my cold heart because there's also this sex scene where they is this kind of revelatory scene where they have essentially phone sex because she doesn't have a body. Sure, um, and the movie employs a lot of cinematic things where it fades to black, but we still get the audio and she exists on this audio plane and which I think is the way to do that. Yeah. So there's a lot of, you know, um, artistic cinema happening and I'm just sitting there and I'm just like, 
I'm listening to a dude masturbate right now. Like, I, it just was totally hitting me on well, this. Well, yeah, because if you don't think it's two people, then of course that's what it's going to sound like. And I, I get that. It's it. I think this movie is asking us to try to do mental gymnastics. Yeah, and I think it. Let's let's suppose. Let's let's play devil's advocate and let's make it so that Ryan is completely on board with Kelly and. <laughs> Let's let's play that game. Even then, if I was totally on board, still from the get go, I would say you're you're never going to be satisfied by her by her because she will never be able to be what you need. Satisfying, satisfied in what way though? It's kind of the Anna Scott William Thacker thing, but it's more than that. But that's kind of the baseline it's going off of. Of she's has this life, I'll call it a life of some sorts, Mm -hmm. uh, that is going to be, go above and beyond what he can fulfill for her. Well, yeah. And I think fulfillment or satisfaction is the wrong word here, but he can't be a part of her life. Well, yeah. What I think it is, is you are not going to be able to connect past a certain point. And if people are going to grow together, like that is what I'm, I'm, you know, you go to any wedding reception ever and somebody will say, don't go to bed angry and you must learn to grow together. Right. But essentially as humans, what we're always trying to do in a relationship, especially a romantic one is hold on to each other's hands. Mm -hmm. And if somebody starts running faster, you want to be able to run with them and keep up or slow them down so that they go with you or ask them. Right. Mm -hmm. And what this movie is saying is this could never work in the long run Mm -hmm. because one is always going to go faster than the other. Like you're not going to be able to hold hands except for this moment in time, which is what makes this moment beautiful. Yeah. And I think this movie is saying he in the long run needs to be in a human relationship. Yeah. He can, he cannot be in a human relationship unless he has an experience with Samantha. Samantha enables him to be able to reconnect to people. I, I think it, it's one of the easier ways he could have done it. Yeah, and so I guess a lot of, you know, good storytelling is good conflict, right? Mm -hmm. And a lot of the conflict in this movie just felt, for me, avoidable. And that's mostly just me bringing in my own uh, baggage of saying, like, you could have avoided all of this shit and just skipped, like... To where? To to Amy Adams and just have a relationship with her. I don't think so. I don't think... But I think that's the point the movie's making is like no he needs to have this growth in order to be with someone like Amy yeah Adams. i mean they they dated in college right and they were yeah. just never right for each other but it's been like 13 or 14 years the i think the whole point in this movie if you're let's let's imagine scarjo is a human here and it's just one of those relationships you need to go through in order to get healthy mm-hmm. which sucks for the other person <laughs> but um it's this movie is begging us to to say, like, she was necessary for him. She probably wasn't the only thing that was necessary for him, but it's a good thing he found her when he did. Sure. Can I explain to you what I would have changed to make this movie have worked? Hey, do you want to rewrite the movie? I want to rewrite you the movie. You son of a... You write your first draft with your heart. And you rewrite with your head. So I think it would have worked if there was a change. You could have kept the script. Give it to a... Oh, not throw out the script? That's great. 
Well, you give it to a different director who's going to make his rewrites. So, you don't want Spike Jones to direct this movie? Actually, let me, let me invert it. Spike, a, Spike Jones is going to direct it. You're going to bring in Charlie Kaufman to do a, a re-edit, a, or a total edit? rewrite, a total rewrite. Uh, have you seen Being John Malkovich? Yeah. Okay. There's something fucked up about Being John Malkovich. Yeah. It's a mind bender for one. Mm-hmm. There's very small rooms. <laughs> but what is amazing about the film is that it's devastatingly honest about humanity. Mm-hmm. It shows how selfish we are. It shows how cruel we are. It shows how desperate we are. It shows all these bad elements that we don't like to think about, but it does it in such a way, in so surreal a way, that it makes us accept the bad parts of ourselves personally mm-hmm. and on a, on a macro level. I think I needed some of that Charlie Kaufman like, this movie was too soft for you. Yeah, I needed okay. the Charlie Coffin to be like, no, this there's something fucked up about this, I would have had guys. to change the color palette. Yeah. <laughs> no, but keep the director. Okay. Because Spike Jones directed being John Malkovich. Spike Jones directed Adaptation. Sure. So he can, he can do really compelling storytelling from a cinematic point of view, but I needed that subversiveness of... In being John Malkovich, you have John Cusack, who's just the best romantic lead in movies like high fidelity or say anything, but in being John Malkovich, he's almost a villain. Yeah. He's, he's definitely poison. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I needed that. I needed some poison into this movie where I needed someone to be like, look, this is a little fucked up. Okay. So what we needed, I think uh, if I'm going to rewrite the movie with you, Mm -hmm. the one thing that I thought the movie needed definitely more of was the bad boyfriend that Amy Adams or the bad husband that Amy Adams was married to. But that would have been side. I wanted some, oh, I wanted some poison. Hear me, be, okay. hear me out. Okay. okay. I think, um, what he could have done was point out the fact that, um, those two, Amy and Theo mm-hmm. were actually circling each other and just avoiding wanting to be together. Mm-hmm. I think they could have utilized him because, Honestly, he's the most computer of all of the characters in this movie. Oh yeah, he's a total phony. His 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 main point is to point out how Amy Adams can do something more efficiently. Yeah, he's a know-it-all and he's an autodidact and he's but, a, he's But a, he's a I think he's a stand-in for a computer. Yeah, yeah. And I think it would be more interesting if he ended up being not only more of a villain, but even though he was an ass, he was the only one willing to speak the truth. Mm. Where he like they have an all out fight that um that Theo accidentally interrupts mm-hmm. and he also has um well he also has Samantha on the phone during this he just doesn't hang up yeah. and so she hears the whole thing and at the end of that fight he's like you two have been in love for years and you're just not talking about it uh-huh. and that's what's driving me crazy yeah. so now he has to deal with Samantha dealing with that knowledge as well and him coming to terms with it and Amy coming to terms with it. Yeah. And granted this would be a different movie at this point. But but I, I, I just had this unshakable sense that objectively there's something a little delusional about Theo. And I think Charlie Kaufman could have come in and be like, it's real. What he has is real to him. And that's, what's so great about being John Malkovich and adaptation, especially adaptation. Oh my God. Like Nicholas Cage's this weird, obsession relationship with Susan Orlean and just like how it can feel real to him and how obsessive he can be. And so I needed that Charlie Kaufman to like point out the dark side to this relationship. I would say that like something like adaptation Uh doesn't hit me very emotionally necessarily. It's, but it's fun. 
Yeah. This movie was, I think, academically interesting and beautiful. I think I would have gotten into it if it went... I don't know. It's 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 odd because being John Malkovich adaptation, very strange stories of humanity. Same thing with where the wild things are. People either love that movie or hate it because it yeah. is abstract and it's begging you to see things very much through the lens of a child. Yeah. Where you're like, why did they react that way? And unless you're there accepting the fact that children are humans that are very different than adults, you're not going to enjoy the film. Yeah. Like you really have to put yourself in a headspace to enjoy a Spike Lee film. Jones. Jones. Fuck. (laughs) Uh, Well, let's, let's, I think we've thoroughly gotten through how we feel about the film. Let's talk about the things that we really both appreciate. Well, why don't we start that off with a rom-com Oscars? Yes. Okay. Um, unequivocally, best cinematography, bar none, best cinematography. Last movie we gave best cinematography to, I think it, I think it was me, was Brokeback Mountain. Yeah. And this movie was really pretty. They, the fact that they made it look like future Los Angeles, great. What uh, else? Um, well... There's so much happening technologically that I think we should explicate just a little bit, just, just a to little say why it's doing so well. Uh, it was shot digitally, um, which means they could shoot in really low light. Um, they could shoot really dark scenes, um, and it won't. It'll look correct. It'll look uh-huh. natural. Um, they used vintage lenses from the 1970s, which Canon, gave it, right? Yeah, which gave it kind of this. I don't know this softness. Yeah, right? it, it the, almost the, the focus never feels sharp. It mm-hmm. always there's kind of a soft focus to everything. We were talking about this earlier when we were kind of looking at uh, different shots from the film. It kind of feels like they had a promis filter on most of the movie. Yeah. And like you were talking about like just the the way that they colored the film. Ryan's Ryan's more of a colorist than I am for sure. He's got his little nubbins out here, <laughs> his his color wheels. They're sitting right next to us. Mm-hmm. And I want you to explain to me the color of this film. Uh, so I think we both caught this uh, when in the first act, if you look at the skin tone and it's, it totally catches you right in the first shot of the frame is it's a, a close up of Joaquin Phoenix mm-hmm. and his skin looks pale, just mm-hmm. very white, but the film doesn't look like without it's without color because on the left edge of the frame, we see this kind of like primary red and it just looks like some kind of uh, window pane just as this, this red. Mm-hmm. So we know we're not looking at a, a desaturated image because the red that's in the background is very saturated. Right. But his skin is very pale. Uh, as the movie progresses, after he meets Samantha, they start to bring in more color to his skin tone. And they give mm-hmm. him more of more of an orange, more of more of a natural skin tone. And and the filmmakers have confirmed this in the interview. It's like, yeah, the first act we took out all the color in his face, and as the movie progressed, more and more color is coming in to illustrate how he's becoming more of a human. And this movie's colors are absolutely brilliant. And I don't mean that as in they are brilliant colors. <laughs> they like uh, the the palette that they're using it's a um, soft pastel it is it's one that that i haven't seen in the world before like you know you want miranda Priestley on here and being like ah well they're combining elements from the 1950s and the early 70s to make this like kind of interesting color tone well 
throughout pretty much all the shots, there are two colors that don't ever show up, really. There's a few exceptions. We never see blue, and we right. never see green. But red and yellow are in everybody's clothing. Yes. So we're always seeing red, which gives and us like this- And like cream, like mm-hmm. off-whites. Uh, uh, yeah, white that's just affected by red. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't see blue except for when it's at night, and it's hauntingly beautiful. I, the, as the movie goes on, I feel like the colors get deeper- in and yeah. of themselves. Yeah. Like when they're at the cabin, cause he and Samantha go on a trip yeah. at one point in time to the cabin. He's like wearing reds and like dancing around in this cabin. And there's like a lot of oranges, but it feels like it exists more in modern day. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. And a lot of the film was shot in natural light, um, which was almost impossible to do in the seventies when like they shot Barry yeah. Lyndon natural light, um, which is uh, godly but now you know if you have an iphone you can shoot in natural light <laughs> and even their exteriors like when he meets um rooney mara outside and they're doing the divorce papers mm-hmm. like it feels hot it's definitely like the brightest that they've yeah they've done but but since they're using natural lighting and there's no artificial lighting per se the way that traditional movies are shot uh it's all very flat there's limited artificial lighting yeah, yeah. it's very flat on their face so there's no like this there's no dynamic of light and shadow yeah it's just there's no shadow mm-hmm. and so everything feels warmer because there's just the softness of light uh throughout the image um and so that's all to create this atmosphere of romance but also otherworldliness and sci-fi and it definitely is a contrast to the harsh like maybe it's uh, just smog yeah <laughs> Uh, like that's how I feel like all Angelinos are like, yeah, but it, it creates this like atmosphere. It's like, dude, it's poison. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're breathing poison right now. Uh, but like you take Blade Runner, that's this noir lighting, which is hard lights with dense shadows, but this is the opposite. It's the inverse look. I'm feeling like the end of the movie was like that when him and Amy Adams go to the top of the building, everything felt more it felt more real in a, in a way that Blade right. Runner does. Well, that's what's fascinating about lighting is um, and the job of a colorist is, is the first thing you fix is contrast and then you balance color and you bring in a look. When you fix contrast, the rule is you're, you're creating dimension with light. And so when you have really flat lighting, you don't have any dimension. But once you start to bring in some more shadow and bring in some more highlight, you get a dimension. Because there's lows, mids, and highs. But throughout the whole movie is that there are no lows, there are no highs. It's all mids. But the last shot, it we're starting to get lows. We're starting to get some highs. And so there's a new dimension brain brought in because of the Maybe look. it's the dimension that ScarJo created. <sighs> Maybe. <laughs> but the dimension definitely is there. Uh, so best cinematography. Okay. I, I There were a lot of things that I could give this movie as far as... Um, as far as Oscars are concerned, mm-hmm. I could give it um, most like, I mean, I, what I love about the costumes in this movie, everybody had high pants. <laughs> yeah. I just, I don't want all my best pants trousers? to be. Yeah. I don't want all of them to be like are that. Are you really going to give it best trousers? No. no, oh. no. Oh. Uh, but I was like, I want one of those Mandarin collar shirts mm-hmm. and I want one of the high pants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just, just that. Please. Um, I thought that was good. I thought... I thought all the performances were great. Um, but I really think I'm going to give this... 
best voiceover. Mm-hmm. The the and in in like because I wanted to give it best acting, but I and what Scarlett Johansson is doing is acting, but for me, the fact that she can bring so much pathos to a role where we can't see her mm-hmm. is is part and parcel to her acting ability. Her her the way she can intone with her voice. It's to me, it was affecting. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm not going to say this movie moved me, um, though I do feel deeply because of it, mm-hmm. but it's more the existential, um, thoughts that this movie like kind of asks me to ask, um, much more so than their relationship. Um, in fact, I don't even think that this movie wants you to say, ah, Mm-hmm. except maybe a couple times when he's when he's uh walking outside and trusting her enough to move him around the world with his eyes closed mm-hmm. um or when they're on the beach talking there's a couple of awestruck moments but i really just think it's it's in the perf- like there's no way you could even get close to that without scarlett johansson's vocal performance mm-hmm. it is tender and warm and dare i say it human so i'm going to say best voiceover okay um, well then I want to ask you then, uh, if you think she's got the best voiceover, I'm curious. So I'm going to just ask you the bigger question of who would you fall in love with? Would I fall in love with her? I kind of reconnected with that blind prosecutor I used to date, Maggie Lizer. Her? Are there any circumstances in which uh, the two of you might be more than just good friends? The truth of it is I... Loved you from the first second I met you. But mostly I hate the way I don't hate you. Not even close. Not even a little bit. Not even at all. You have bewitched me, body and soul. And I love, and love, and love you. I know. I think I'm going to go with Amy Adams in this. I... I think I could very directly talk to her about... You make this huge case that Scarlett Johansson is like real in this movie and she's a person and you do all these things. And I don't, you don't say even, she's a person. You don't even deem to love her. Here, Here's the thing, Ryan. You keep... You, you, Scarlett Johansson isn't human. All I'm saying is that she's a sentient being. But I'm saying you made this defense of her and you're not even going to love her. Well, no, I, I was... I got, I'm a human. I got needs. Them <laughs> needs is Amy Adams. Okay. But the thing is she's, she's a filmmaker. She makes this, <laughs> this movie that's so stupid about that's just her filming her mom for six hours. It's a, just a documentary. Her and I, I think what she needs is someone who won't be like, well, what if you could be just, and I'd just be like, look, honey, I love you, but I think that's dumb. This is not working. I'm, I'm going to give you a kiss though. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah. Okay. Amy Adams. I, I I don't know. She she's making this game with a stupid sense of humor. There wasn't a lot of people I wanted to fall in love with in this movie, but Amy Adams is the one. You could have picked Chris Pratt. That would have been okay. Yeah, he seemed nice. I didn't like his style. I really didn't like his style. Yeah. So it'd be hard. Kind of doofy. Yeah. Um I like Amy Adams' hair though. Yeah. I want to see it like that more often. Yeah. Um so I'm gonna do a process. Process of elimination. Obviously, I'm not counting. I'm not Scar-Jo. counting Scarlett Johansson. Scar-Jo. She's not a say part it. of the question. Say it. <laughs> um, uh, I almost want to say Chris Pratt, but 
there's something a little off putting about him too. And I think that's also by design is that that's Did why he have a mustache as well. Yeah. And I think that's the other <laughs> two guys, a robot and a lady on a hill. And I think they do, a, mustaches. do. They do a good job of like being like, well, he could be friends with Chris Pratt, but he's kind of weird. Sure. Like there's just something a little off about him. Um, I walking Phoenix. That's the strange thing about this movie too, is that it's really hard to shake his persona and he actively pursues roles where he is playing an off-putting person Mm -hmm. plays the Joker. He's in the master as this really weird fucked up guy in the master. Um, what else he's, I mean, he's brilliant, but like always tapping into a darker side, always taking these challenging roles Mm kind of like, you know, like Jack Nicholson would be like, I don't want to ever go on a date with Jack Nicholson. I would (laughs) have a terrible time. So, it's got to be Amy Adams. And she's not only is the dialogue great between Joaquin Phoenix and Scarlett Johansson in this movie, it's wonderful between him and Amy Adams because it just feels really real. It does. And feel, yeah. she just feels very natural and just feels like a real person. Note that they tell each other about who they're dating first. Mm-hmm. Like, or he's saying that, you know, he's saying that. I'm dating my a or my OS and she's like, I'm friends with my OS and they kind of come out to each other in a way. Yeah. But the fact that they're so vulnerable with each other speaks of more depth to their relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I'm surprised you didn't bring Rooney Mara into this. Well, you know, she feels a little bit antagonistic. I don't want to, f- I don't want to fall in love with her cause I feel like she would divorce me in a year. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, they're both writers, right? Uh-huh. And, um, this felt very autobiographical because Spike Jones used to be in a relationship with um, Sofia Coppola. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, and it's this felt for me like the movie felt like this kind of fucked up thing where it's like, look, I just broke up with Sofia Coppola. It was a really hard relationship. We had really good times, but she, you know, her dad was really hard on her because he always expected more from her, and she just had really high standards. And so, can I just date my phone? <laughs> you know, there's just, there's this moment where they're in their kitchen and I thought they were talking to a therapist, but she looks over at somebody who could conceivably be her dad. Yep. And so Francis Ford Coppola. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's what I got is that this movie feels a little bit like a therapy session that mm-hmm. this guy is writing this movie to get over the relational demons. Which, I mean, which kind of fits with this movie. Yeah. But it's also kind of like, can like that kind of indulgent storytelling where you watch a lot of like really bad movies where like, look, can I just have an affair? No, you can't have an affair. <laughs> well, I, I think we've, we've come to a place where you didn't like this movie. Nope. I liked this movie. It's I, a very rare occasion when we split like this. And, and it's not like either of us thought this was the worst movie ever made or the best movie ever made. It was just that I liked it and you didn't. Mm-hmm. And that's great. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So glad that this finally <laughs> happened. Uh, there will be more. There can will we, be more. Can we watch a movie next week that is just a little bit less existential? Let's level the playing field, and I'm just going to let you uh, go to the case. Pick one. Oh, really? Yeah, pick whatever you want. <laughs> what? Really? Yeah. After we argued this much? Yeah, pick whatever you want. I feel like I'm Charlie in The Chocolate Factory. <clears throat> All right, here we go. Donnie Brasco. Nope. There's a left, so I've never seen there's probably how many how many rom rom com DVDs and Blu-rays are there? Forty five to fifty. Forty five to fifty. Uh, I literally, in the past ten months, have girded my collection <laughs> because of of the pandemic of being like, well, I can't go out, so I'm just gonna get as many rom coms as I can. 
well, see, 500 Days of Summer is right there. Um, I think we need something I, kind of opposite of this. I think yeah. we need a classic, fluffy rom-com. I know it. No, well, see, that's not... Is it a rom-com, though? It has a lot of hallmarks of a rom-com, but I think The Devil Wears Prada is not quite a rom-com. Okay. Um, put in your pocket. I will put it in my pocket and smoke it. Oh, I know. Do you have it, though? Do you have... Um, it's not Eat, Pray, Love, but it's three words, and it's a rom-com. Crazy Stupid Love. Yeah. We can do Crazy Stupid Love. Do you have it? No, but we can do it. I want to do Crazy Stupid Love. Okay. Oh. So next week we're doing Crazy Stupid Love, a contemporary rom-com, one of the last great rom-coms. I guess I took my hand on how I feel about it, but... It's got so many pretty funny people in it. Yeah. Like, every one of the people in this movie is pretty and funny. How do I not own the Blu-ray of that? I don't know, but we should buy it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to do that next week. Hold on to your butts. It's about to get really rom-com-y in here. Yeah. Um, Ryan, even though you're just a series of... RNA and DNA. I I think you are worthy of my love. Mm, mm. Even though you're just ones and zeros on my phone, uh, since you are in my ear, you're worthy of my love. Beep boop. Wait, 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 wait. You thought you could just skate on by without telling your Scarlett Johansson story. Damn it! Okay, basically, I was at a film festival in Los Angeles. The AFI Film Festival. AFI film Festival. How did you get there? No, I don't need to talk about my movie. It was, you it was, made a movie that got that got to myself play and at the Bill AFI Moltz, Film Festival. Myself and Bill Moltz. It's not like you were just attending made one. Made a long you Levi's commercial. in the festival. Yes. Your film was playing in the festival. We, we made a long Levi's commercial that was in the film festival. And it was great, and we had fun. I got into an elevator that also had a Scarlett Johansson in it. (laughs) (laughs) And at one point in time, she, (sighs) she, um, she turned to me and said that, uh, the elevator music was bad. And, um, I was like, this is actually my band. (laughs) And she said, she's so sorry. (laughs) And I just said, I was no, 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 it's fine. She, she seemed like, like she was like, Oh fuck, I made a mistake. And I was like, no, 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 no. It's cool. I'm just joking. And then it, the elevator dinged and I got off and what that she was said, what did she say? She, oh, she said, okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was, that's my Scarlett Johansson story. And I have none Scarlett Johansson stories. It's fine. It's going to turn out that it wasn't Scarlett Johansson this whole time. <laughs> now. Yeah. But she wasn't just a voice in the machine. She wasn't a, Ghost ex machina. She wasn't a ghost in the shell. No, she wasn't a ghost in the shell that time. Nope. Whoa, she's been a ghost in a machine a couple times. Okay, on extend this film into the future of Japan. Lost in translation. She (laughs) exactly. (laughs) But is Major Kusanagi Kusanaga? I can't remember her name. Is the major just where she went next? After her. Bye. <clears throat> and this is where we will say a goodbye. Ryan and Kelly must bid you adieu. Thank you for listening to our review. Rate and subscribe. We'll even take a bribe. So see you next
squeak on a gentleman's guide. To rom-coms. Well, I feel like God moved her here from Ohio just to be with me. Huh? Well, that's the first I've heard of this. Well, then who said her? Me. That was that was me. But um, her? An idea from George Michael. I need to recommit myself to your mother. Her? Who's the hottie? This is Anne's mother. Her? I am getting married. Who the hell to? Who do you think? Rita. Her? Did it ever occur to you that maybe Warden Gentles likes her? Likes her what? No, I, I mean likes her, like is attracted to her. Who's the her in that sentence? Mom, Warden Gentles likes mom. Her? I certainly hope so. I'm trying to seduce him. Who's the I in that sentence? Me. You? Her. But I'm free too, baby. I'm staying in the conjugal trailer with the warden tonight. No, that's her. Him? You know about her? Who? Anne. Her? You know, teenagers, probably lashing out at you because of who I'm dating. Who are you dating? Anne. Her? Who's the Anne that's in the beauty pageant? That's her. Her name isn't Annabelle. That's Anne. Right, no, I, I know that her name is not Annabelle. I just, that's how I remember her name, because her body is going to shape like a... She's the belle of the ball. What is she doing in the beauty pageant? She's she running the lights or something? She's in it. She's a, a contestant. It's sort of like an inner beauty pageant. Ah, there it is. 